You're listening to The Omni Show. Get to know the people and stories behind the Omni Group's award-winning productivity apps for Mac and iOS. Music! I'm your host, Brent Simmons. This is a special episode. We're talking about OmniFocus 3 for Mac, which will ship in September. We're talking about how it's getting parity with the iOS version. The same features that went into OmniFocus 3 for iOS are going into OmniFocus 3 for Mac. In the studio with me today is Ken Case, CEO of the Omni Group, and Dave Messant, OmniFocus Prime Minister. Say hello, Ken. Hello, Ken. Hello, Dave. Hello, Dave. All right, so uh, I mentioned that the Mac is getting iOS parity, which isn't maybe quite the exact right word for this since it's almost arbitrary that iOS came first and a lot of the code is common code between the two apps. Can you tell me more about how that works and what that means? I guess I would say that a lot of this release is about iOS getting parity with the Mac app. So mm. a lot of what happened in OmniFocus 3 for iOS had us bringing features to iOS for the first time that we've had for 10 years on the Mac, like being able to have multiple selections or column panes and so on Uh, like batch editing batch editing exactly Mm -hmm. but we ended up shipping the ios app first Mm -hmm. uh, partially because it needed those features more and because it was playing that catch-up and now it's time to bring some of those things back to mac but when we say back to mac as you alluded to we already had written a lot of this code in some shared frameworks that both mac and ios use so the mac already had some of the groundwork in place you know, what have we been doing for the last three months then? Well, we hadn't brought that groundwork actually out to the interface where the user could work with it. Okay. So much of the last two years has really been that groundwork. And then it's only later there was the interface for iOS and then the interface for Mac. Is that roughly true? Yeah, I would say so. Like, in fact, OmniFocus 2, the latest releases, can sync with the current version of OmniFocus 3. And the only reason that's true is because we laid that groundwork ahead of time mm-hmm. so that OmniFocus 2 could understand, well, what, what happens when I see a tag show up in a database? What happens when I see repeating tasks with rules that uh, OmniFocus 2 didn't understand? And mm-hmm. so on. It is interesting that batch editing was one. Three-pane view was another thing that the Mac already had and iOS didn't. So iOS is getting parity with the Mac. Really, really seems to be a lot of the case. Was that three-pane view a lot of work, Dave? Yeah, I mean, I, I write a lot of code, as you know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and I found it very difficult. You, you, you <laughs> notice when people write code. I do notice when people write code. <laughs> but it's good for everyone that I'm not responsible for any shipping code. Yeah, I'd like to say the same thing about myself at this point. Uh, yes, I was going to leave that out. But uh, <laughs> we're all happy that you're doing your new job. Yes, yeah. You know, it's interesting. I realized as we were talking about the three-pane view we did actually change the view controller for the Mac app. So it actually is going to work better in split view in uh, okay. the sidebar and the inspectors are going to play better with uh, split view and, and full with screen. Like full screen split yeah. view? Oh, I see. Okay. Does it also do that cool animation thing in full screen? It does do that cool animation. Oh, right. Because yeah. any developer listening is thinking to themselves, hey, they must be using a split view controller now. Is that true? You don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Yes, that's true. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's cool. Right. So, yeah, even things that the Mac already did have, like three pane view, mm-hmm. have been improved. But there are still some features that appeared first on iOS that are coming to the Mac and OmniFocus 3. 
And one of them isn't really um, a day-to-day use feature, but I find very interesting. And that is by question for Ken. It's about doing free downloads on the Mac App Store. So the Mac version you'll be able to download and use for free from the Mac App Store, not just from our site. Yeah, and this is actually sort of rounding off an initiative that we started a while ago to try to get all of our Mac App Store apps to have free downloads. We already had, as you just noted, we had free downloads in our own store, so that's not exactly new to our apps on the Mac. But the reason it was important to us was it helped us overcome some of the limitations that we had in the Mac App Store around being able to sell people discounted upgrades, for example. So Mm. this will be the first version of OmniFocus that we sell in the Mac App Store that people can get a 50% discount on the standard edition, not just the pro edition, when Mm. they upgrade. It also lets us, of course, do free trials. Again, slightly less important on the Mac because you could go to our site to get a free trial, but there's a lot of convenience to just being able to do that right in the Mac App Store, and people appreciate that. And it lets us do price protection. So people who bought... OmniFocus earlier this year, for example, if they bought OmniFocus 2, they'll get a free upgrade to 3 and we don't have to charge them again, which was sort of forced on us by the model we were using for downloading Mac App Store apps in the past. Oh, cool. It's better for users in general, hopefully better for us too. Yeah, that's really cool. Were there changes to the App Store rules or technical changes that made this kind of thing possible? I've often been confused by everything about (laughs) IAPs and in-app purchases and so on, but... Sure. Well, this whole area has evolved a lot, of course, since the start of the Mac App Store. When the Mac App Store first appeared, we didn't have in-app purchases at all. So mm, if you yeah. made the app a free download, there was no way to get paid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that, that was clearly not a, uh, a workable model for us. So our first apps started out just being completely purchased up front, and, and that was all there was to it. And if you wanted to buy the standard edition, we had one SKU in the Mac App Store. And if you wanted the Pro Edition, you'd buy a totally different SKU okay. and with it at a different price. When in-app purchases showed up, then that gave us the flexibility to let you do one download and upgrade it to Pro. And mm-hmm. we realized that we could use that to give people discounts, if, at least if they were buying Pro. If they owned a previous version of, say, OmniGraffle, and they upgraded to the new one, mm-hmm. they could get the Pro upgrade for free. And effectively, we would give them a discount, at least our Pro customers. Right. Which okay. fortunately turned out to be you know 80% of our customers. But I always find that so fascinating. Yeah. Um, yeah the Pro features are cool. I mean, I can see why. But I would never have guessed that it would be such a high percentage. Well, that's who our customers are, I guess, in general. They're people who are using the, the, yeah, the stuff to get their work done. Mm-hmm. So another big feature, maybe the biggest feature of this app, is that we have tags on the Mac. Now, how does that change using Mac OmniFocus, Dave? Well, I think the biggest thing is that the folks that have been enjoying using tags on iOS for the last few months finally get to see those tags in their database on their Macs. Mm, this deserves a finally. Yes, <laughs> it, is, it is really a finally. Uh-huh. We would love to have shipped them both at once, but we thought it was most important to get the people that were just, you know, anyone who was using iOS could use tags once we shipped them on iOS. So Sure, right. Not everybody has both after all. That's yes. right. Yeah, well, they should. I'm just saying. Sure, I understand that, you know, not everyone uses a Mac. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, keep, I always forget that. Yeah. <laughs> So along with tags comes enhanced custom perspectives. Yes. So we have a new rules editor, I suppose, which is right. similar to the iOS one. Yeah. We're using um, a controller that's actually built in to macOS that you might have seen when you set up a mail rule or a smart playlist in iTunes. Okay. 
looking at some of those, I'm not sure if they use the standard control oh, <laughs> because they seem right. to have slightly different limitations. But certainly if you've seen uh, Omni Outliners filtering rules. Right. Mm. I know a guy who worked on that. Somebody, yes, here at this <laughs> table worked <laughs> on Yes, and what was that, NS Predicate Editor or something? Yeah, I forget. <laughs> boring. I don't I need to know anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Very boring. Um, no, but it's a familiar control, and um, it lets you choose the type of rule and then choose a value that you know is important to that rule, like the estimated duration or the tags okay. that you want to filter on. And it lets you uh, create a perspective, and it syncs around between your Mac and iOS devices and lets you slice and dice your OmniFocus database into that focused. Super focused. Super focused. Hyper focused. Yeah. yeah, I saw a cool thing. Actually, one of our beta testers posted. He was experimenting with toolbarless and sidebarless windows. Okay. Showing custom perspectives with different purposes and tiling them. Oh, on the okay. screen. So we had kind of Dashboard-y a dashboard thing. view. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, like a Kanban. <laughs> yeah, I could, yeah you, wow. you could see that going a lot of interesting places. But uh-huh. obviously, that's not something you could do on iOS. Right, yeah. Multiple yeah. copies of the same app is not a... You could grab multiple phones, I guess. <laughs> there yeah, you so go. Physical play them out on <laughs> Literally tile your yeah. uh, devices. Yeah. Since I have kept every iPhone that I've ever had, I, I could. It would be crazy. And then all my iPads. Well, except it wouldn't run maybe on, on those old devices, but in theory. So the testers caught something to do uh, with sidebars and custom perspectives. It's only at this the time we're recording this, August 8th, it's only been out to uh, a very few testers so far. Uh, but what's the story with that, Ken? When we brought custom perspectives to iOS in the first place, we didn't give iOS a sidebar for those custom perspectives. We The whole model on iOS for how we put together our perspectives is sort of backwards from how we do it on the Mac. We gather up our tasks first and then we group them. And, uh, and the model that we were using to present that information on the Mac didn't really apply on iOS in the same way. And of course, we were also designing for phones where you wouldn't have room for a sidebar and so on. Sure. Long and short of it is we don't have a sidebar on iOS. And when we designed the new custom perspective system with rules, your tasks were no longer just derived from a set of projects or contexts that you were living in and then sort of filtering down into you had these more complicated rules that, that were coming into play. And so we didn't use a sidebar on iOS, and we didn't sort of worry about what the sidebar might look like. But when we brought it to Mac, of course, we had to start thinking about that, realize that the model that the Mac was using for how it would build the sidebar first and then build the main content area from that sidebar wasn't going to work out. And so we decided, well, let's just try it without the sidebar at all. We'll just make it work like it does on iOS. And very quickly, the feedback came in that we really do want to see that sidebar there and we don't want it to just be based on the groupings that we had in the content area which is one way we thought we might design the sidebar Mm -hmm. because people were using it to say look at a project list and you know things are grouped by project but then they would use the sidebar looking at tags or context in in omnifocus 2 to select well okay here are the projects related to this person or or this location and filter their list down that way so fortunately Jim was able to take that feedback and pretty quickly build that functionality back into the app. Mm. Obviously, it crossed our mind that people might want a sidebar. Oh, sure. What they were used to. We're not like obliviously showing software. But oftentimes our approach when these things come up has been to not say anything, Mm -hmm. give something to some people and see what they say. Yeah. Right. Because, you know, you have the potential to save yourself a lot of work. Sure. Um, You also have the potential to get an idea that you had either previously ruled out or not considered mm-hmm. um, and that makes customers happier so 
That's the approach I've taken um, throughout my career too, is provide less and then see what people say and then figure out where to go. Yeah. And if we had taken the first idea that we had in mind for how to rebuild that sidebar, we would have taken it in a different direction than once we got the concrete feedback from customers mm-hmm. about what they wanted to see and what, yeah. how they were going to use it. It is the one small place where there isn't common code. The tree building system here is different yeah. between the yeah, two. It's, it's very different. Like underneath the, the lowest level is, is still common code, but the architecture on iOS, because it was designed as a, the point of interaction is always the same thing that is doing the drawing. You don't have multiple windows on iOS, basically. Mm. And so you're not going to have some information come in from interactions in one window that need to be displayed in another window. Oh, sure. So all of the interactions are, uh, are sort of designed differently and f- for optimizing for that platform mm-hmm. versus the Mac. And so on iOS, that led us to do everything sort of bottom-up where we collect the tasks and, and group them up to higher and higher groupings and then display that in a perspective. Whereas on Mac, we start top-down and we're sitting there watching for changes in each one of these top-level objects and then their children and so on. I see. Okay. Going back to tags for a second, I should note that one of the parity features that we get from tagging is not actually just strictly being able to put tags in multiple tags or, or the old request multiple contexts on a task. But being able to put tasks into a tag and reorder them with manual sorting into whatever order you want, which is something that people have been asking for for many years and Mm -hmm. and have wanted to see on the Mac. So this will be the first time I think it should do that as well. So we also get the forecast tag in the just in the pro version, I think, right? That's correct. Yeah, that is one of my just all time favorite features, though, because I just mark stuff. I call my tag today, which a lot of people do, and just. I get to it today. Great. Well, tomorrow it'll be today again. And there they are again. Yeah. (laughs) I'm really happy with the way that that feature came out. I think that it has really helped people get away from abusing dates, Mm -hmm. which was always one of my problems that I wished we could solve. And OmniFocus was that people definitely do think about their tasks centered around dates. Right. But what happens when something is overdue is different for everyone. And so letting something just be kind of drug along for today uh, without having to to assign a date for it is, is great. Yeah, that used to lead to workflows where people would constantly be pushing things forward to the next day or whatever, or they'd yeah, be worried about time, yeah. things slipping through the cracks because they weren't showing up. Mm. Yeah, so ideally that's time regained that can be spent on doing a review or something. That's, right, you know, or actually doing those tasks. Doing the <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait, you guys do tasks? Yeah. <laughs> well, this is one, this is a task, record this episode. <laughs> actually, it's not, it's a calendar entry. <laughs> but it still appears in forecast. Oh, so what a segue. Yeah, I know. So the forecast is now interleaved as it is on iOS, where it shows calendars and tasks mixed together, which I think is brilliant because, you know, when I actually have meetings or things like this during the day, it's so helpful to be able to see that time blocked out. Super happy to see that. It works well for me, too. I would say that that has been one of the places that we've gotten the most feedback um, mm-hmm. after shipping it. For iOS, and we have some ideas on how we can improve it for customers and make it a little more flexible. Okay, I think that folks use calendars in different ways. Sure, and in some of those ways, the old kind of Gantt style block of calendar events was better for them, and mm. we'd like to get something working as well for them soon. Okay, so you heard that here, people. Yeah, bringing <laughs> the scoops. Question about the forecast tag: Does the actual tag that I've decided on does that piece of information sync between iOS and Mac, or could I have say a different a different one, if I wanted to, on Mac and iOS. 
you can have a different tag on every device. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. that's interesting. The, the idea was that you could call it uh, different things to attend your attention on different devices because you may be working on different problems on your Mac than you are on. Sure. On yeah. Phone. Absolutely. Yeah. So, like when our friend Jim Korea pulls out his night phone, mm-hmm. yep, he's got a different tag for today than his day phone mm-hmm. or in the forecast. Of course, he has a night phone. <laughs> day and night phone. How else are you going to work on syncing if you don't have a day and a night phone? <laughs> totally. <laughs> So we've also got fancy repeating tasks have come to the Mac. Did we pull off that progressive disclosure thing like we did in iOS where it kind of steps you through it a little bit? doesn't present all the options all at once. It definitely doesn't present all the options all at once. Mm-hmm. I, it's a little bit different working in an inspector than it is working in the table view sub-inspector that we have on iOS. Sure. But I think we did a good job of translating that experience. And the most important thing is just not showing those controls that don't make sense right yeah um so even if we're showing more at once we are still leaving out stuff that would be disabled Mm -hmm. or that wouldn't make sense so testing is going well i take it uh testers have found a few big things that we missed maybe Um, yeah getting the crashing bugs fixed yeah the first um sidebar issues the first few days we had a, a bunch of crashers that we cleaned up very quickly and we have Got the sidebar in place, Mm -hmm. and um, now we're working on the more fine interaction things. Working on getting scripts working that might have broken between two and three Apple scripts. Oh yeah, that's one one thing that came up Mm -hmm. this week is people trying to use uh, Kurt Clifton's scripts for deferring and that sort of thing, and Mm -hmm. they don't quite translate. So we're gonna figure out we can make them work or rewrite them for him or. Yeah, there's sort of two areas where scripting had to change to accommodate our new model. One was around the way repeating worked on completion because it used to be that when a task would repeat, you would set its completion date and then OmniFocus would generate a whole new task based on on the Mm -hmm. old one. And we decided because we wanted to be better sort of future compatible citizens, right? Like if there's some new repeat rules that get introduced in the future that we don't understand today, it's okay if the completed task loses some track of some of the repeating details, because it's not going to be repeating anymore, but you want the current mm-hmm. task to keep the exact same details around. So, ah. so we changed it so that when you complete a repeating task, the current task actually stays the same, and what gets generated is a new archived copy of that that says it's completed, okay. rather than the other way around where we were creating a new repetition of the task that you would be doing later that had the new dates in it. So all that is to say that we ended up changing the scripting around, and this happened actually in the latest 2X releases to say that I want to complete this task rather than I want to set the task completion date to something because you would set the completion date to something and then it would immediately clear that task completion date and it didn't sort of make logical scripting Mm -hmm. sense. So that became a verb rather than a property uh, effectively. And then the other big change is, of course, our new relationships with tags on tasks. And we wanted to have some compatibility for old scripts that were using contexts. Mm -hmm. Uh, There is some compatibility that we managed to preserve there, but there's some you know, interesting questions like when I add a tag to a task or I assign a tag to a task, should that replace the old tag or, or should it just add a new one and so on? So we actually oh, right. turn those into verbs so that that could be more explicit and you mm-hmm. say, I want to add a tag to a task. But that means now, of course, some scripts have to change. When I saw those go by, I was just wanted to make sure that the legacy fallback stuff that we had was working at least as, as intended, even if it didn't save the scripts yeah, that were I, in the wild. Right. So we're on track for September still? Yeah, definitely. Cool. Right on. All right. Well, I think that just about covers it, unless you can think of something I'm missing here. We will have another new special episode where we talk more about the design changes, which we we think will come out on launch day. So once again, we'll 
pretend to celebrate a couple of weeks early. The one other little bit of consistency, I guess, that we brought back our parody from iOS is we did a little work on URL scheme consistency, I think. Mm. Uh, maybe we did that when we were doing iOS. In any case, we tried to make sure that the perspective URLs actually match between the platforms. Yeah, I think that was a, a, a change on the iOS side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's Who knows? Right. It's so long ago <laughs> It's now. consistent now. That's yeah, what right. I know, or at least once the ships. Consistent is good. Cool. All right. Well, thank you, Ken. Thank you, Dave. Thank you. Dave, where can people find you on the web? While we're taping this, I'm on Twitter at D-M-E-S-S-E-N-T. Mm-hmm. Uh, but who knows by the time this is published? Yes. <laughs> All right. Twitter. All right, Ken, where can people find you on the web? Well, you can find, you can look on our website, of course, omnigroup.com, and mm-hmm. we have a people page there where you'll find me and, and other people here who uh, <laughs> are willing to let their presence be advertised. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but yeah, on Twitter, you'll find me at KCase, my first initial and last name, K-C-A-S-E. Well, I'd also like to thank our intrepid producer, Mark Bosco. Say hello, Mark. Hello, Mark. And especially, I want to thank you for listening. Thank you. Music. Music.